It's great to be with you. I am coming to you from the Blue Wire Studios here at, at the Wynn in beautiful Las Vegas, Nevada. Not so beautiful. Depends on how much you like the weather. But uh, it's it's been nice, cold. My body had a reaction to this uh, this cold front that came in. It almost snowed. I had a bit of a cold, panicked, went down, got COVID tested twice, actually. And I'm happy to report that I'm negative. So I'm here. I'm here. I'm alive and uh, feeling well. And look, here's the thing. And let me just talk you through, give you the uh, the, the cliff notes of which how, how today's show is going to go. Got to talk about Ralph Reinick again. Is anybody else paying attention to this? I hate to be the guy that, you know, I'll get into, you know, some of the results and where this thing is going in Man City and some of the, these transfer rumors that are they're flying around. How about uh, Lorenzo Insigne? How about that? $60 million for five foot four. And we're going to try and relive Giovinco. Giovinco has chimed in, by the way, says, uh, <laughs> watch out. Watch out, Lorenzo. They're going to trick you. They're never going to pay you that much money. They're going to say they're going to pay you that much money, but they're not. So that was an interesting uh, deal. But let's get to Reinick first. Manchester United. Here we go. Backlash now from some of the, the changes that he has been trying to instill in the team. Do I have to remind everybody that about four or five weeks ago, I said this would happen? I'm the first one, I think, to say that he won't even last till July. And he won't. He won't, folks. He's not going to last. And if you really want to pay attention to this infatuation with German coaches, it started with club, right? It, it, it certainly did. You said a little, a little Hasenhutl in there as well. I love saying that name, Hasenhutl. What a great name. And then, of course, you saw what happened with Thomas Tuchel and now Ralf Reinick. Now, Tuchel had great success. They won the Champions League. But let me explain to everybody why that worked, okay? Because a lot of people aren't considering this. This is what you need to understand about when you try to completely flip the culture in a, in a club like Manchester United, it doesn't always get a great reception. And it's not getting a great reception. You've got massive backlash. The Portuguese players don't like it. The French guy's still pissed off. Anybody who's Spanish is asking questions. And the team is not functioning. What does this remind you of, David Moyes? Look, when, when you have a culture that has been created by one man, Sir Alex Ferguson, and you try desperately to make a change, it has to be a transition. It cannot be a 180. Ironing Ralph Reinick was a 180. And I've said it before, I'll say it again. It's not going to work and it's not going to last. He hires Chris Armas. Why? Does Chris Armas really belong in Manchester United? No. But we've, we've already gone over this. This was basically, Ralph Reinick has come in there with a plan and said, this is what we need to do. And this is how we're going to do it. The plan is very simple. It's, it's, it, and it's, it's a very simple strategy. But Tuchel worked because... Guess what? Christensen had already been in Germany. Rudiger is German. Timo Werner was there. Kyle Havertz was there. Pulisic knows what this is all about because they've already been through that type. So there was no, there was no shock. You tell me one guy who has German experience outside of Sancho at Manchester United. And why was it that Sancho was the one guy that was receptive to these new ideas right off the bat? It's because he's already lived it. He'd already been through a Dortmund. He'd already kind of understood that the German way, the German way of thinking. So it, it, it worked, and there, was a, there wasn't, wasn't so much of an explanation. Manchester United is upside down. It's sideways right now. They are essentially trying to ask a German guy to come in there and change everything. Now, we live this with David Moyes. David Moyes came in and said, oh, no more chips. I'm not going to have those, and totally pissed off the team. Rio Ferdinand had to pull him aside and basically say, look, boss, don't do that. 
you know, we got a 70 year old woman in there that knows how to make the chips. That's kind of our culture here. Nope. We're changing. We're, we're doing something different. Think about Lester. When Lester won the whole thing, Ranieri came in there and said, I don't care if you eat pasta or spaghetti or pizza. Let's, let's go. Let's enjoy this. Sometimes it's that simple. Ryernick has come in with these new ideas and he's essentially said, this is the way we're going to do things. Now, six weeks ago, when this started to happen, I, I think I was the one that said, Pogba out, Matic out, Mata gone. Ronaldo won't get along with this either. And we've already had several players already come in, knocking down his door saying, I want to leave. I don't want to be a part of this. Whether it's just all the, the, the business aspect of what Ryanek represents, he comes into this team. He basically said, this is the way we're going to do things. This is the new software. And this is the way we're going to play. Comply or there's the door. You think guys like Pogba are going to be receptive to that? You don't even, even having problems with Bruno Fernandes. The entire team is in disarray. You got Gary Neville screaming at the rain over there, saying that they just look totally discombobulated. They don't look like the same team. It's just, by the way, he's lived this himself in that transition. But ever since Sir Alex left, this is Manchester United has tried to go back to the well or find their identity. That's why they got Gunnar Solskjaer, because they thought, well, let's go back to what we, what we know. And to a certain extent, it, it worked. A lot of us are looking at the games going, um, what's so different outside of the fact that they can't score? Ever since Ryanick has been in charge, they haven't scored two goals in a game. I get it. I get it that there's just a lot of similarities with Tuchel because Tuchel came in and every game was one nothing, two nothing, one nothing, two nothing. By the way, Chelsea can handle that. They've already lived Jose Mourinho. Jose Mourinho was boring, pragmatic soccer. And eventually it wore everybody down and they said, we got to get rid of him. Now they miss him because he actually was the best manager that, that Chelsea could have had at that point. We've had several other guys have success there with Conte. And what he's doing in Tottenham is, is not too dissimilar with what happened at Inter and at Chelsea. And to a certain extent with the, with the um, Italian national team. But Ryernick is, is, I don't know how many days he's been at the job, but his days are numbered, man. And he's going to play today against Burnley. Now, I, I have yet to see, and, and look, all things considered, I think, I think if you look at what was going on a couple of months ago, and Manchester United walked into the buzzsaw of Liverpool and, lo and lose that game 5 nothing, but then have immediate a reaction to win their next game. And there was funny stuff on Twitter. It was like all these guys making faces and the Harry Maguires and, you know, the Luke Shaws of the world. And they're all kind of like, come on, man, let's just lose one more game and we can get rid of this guy. That was like, the, that was the narrative. Can you imagine how they feel now? There's no laughing in there. It's not fun. It's not fun for that group. It's not. I almost feel bad for my friend, Chris Armas, who's, walked into that situation and basically is, I saw some, some clips of him running around in the 5v2 in the Rondo trying, you know, trying to get the ball back. And that was, you know, Chris has got to be pushing 50. I don't know what the hell he was doing in there. Try and find that video. He's wearing the white shirt. Everybody else is wearing black. He's the bald guy in the middle. Just can't get out. This is my nightmare. Oh man. I, you know, it's so funny because it, look, it's not funny. I, I shouldn't say it's funny. It's football. It, it, this is, this is the way the world works. And I have my ideas when it comes to, what it takes to be a manager or a coach. And I still think guys like, guys like Ryanick are still in teacher mode. They don't see themselves as a coach. They're teaching something and they expect you to listen and to pay attention and then perform and execute. It takes a lot. Of, it's so, it's, it's, it's not robotic, but it, it, it's pretty damn close. And you can't really suck all that energy out of players like Pogba and Ronaldo. Now, Cavani gets the goal the other day, but you know, his days are numbered anyway. He's just too old. It was a funny thing I saw with, um, with Suchel and uh, Ryanick. Well, I, I, sh I guess I should say Chelsea and Manchester United. Everything that Chelsea has done is emulated by Manchester United. All the way down to hiring a German coach 
hiring a 36-year-old, Silva and Ronaldo, hiring a guy from Germany, bringing in the Germans. Everything. Just look it up. Look it up. I don't want to go through the whole chronological order of all that because I got other stuff to talk about. But man, when you, when you see a team like Manchester United searching so hard for the next solution and a remedy to their problems, and Man City has just completely taken off. I mean, their wings have gotten bigger. No one's clipping them. They are flying right now. It was funny. I was sitting in the car with my son today. The 12-year-old, that is. I know I got six and it's hard to pay attention. And I actually had Tatum in here last week. She's 17, so she's focused on other stuff. But, but talking to my son was interesting. He's sitting there head down in the phone, on, on his phone on the way in. And he says, why did, they, why did they buy Grealish, Man City? Why? And then he actually answers his own question. He goes, because they can. They were a good team before. It occurred to me that, can you imagine, imagine if Grealish had gone to Man United and had this kind of an epic spill? It hasn't had any effect on anything that Manchester City is doing. The fact that he hasn't been able to figure out how to play there. And he hasn't, and there's a couple of reports of him being out late. He finally got a game and then he went out and then he was burping it up at practice the next day. 100 million for a guy that never plays that you don't even need. Manchester United would actually just fold to the ground if they made a mistake like that. It's interesting. It is a mistake. You can say that. Buying Grealish was a mistake, but they're in first place, so no one's talking about it. It just kind of like got swept under the carpet. No one's even thinking about it. And that's, that's what you need to understand. You go through this team, this Manchester United side, and you tell me one guy. They're all from Spain, France, England, and Italy. And for people out there who don't understand the different philosophies and the methodology that goes along with each country and each culture that you come from, you're just naive. It's very difficult. It's on most occasions, it's very difficult to come out of Italy and to come straight in to play in England. Let me ask you this. Outside of, you know, many years ago, it was a couple of them. Gascoigne, he didn't really do well over there. But how many English people go to Italy and do well? Yeah, good luck finding that number. It's not a lot. Not very often does it happen. You know, this guy's like Jekyll, who kind of could have played anywhere. It's a very unique thing. I think of Mo Salah. Could not play in Chelsea. Couldn't do anything right in Chelsea before he went to Roma. Started to play well in Roma, and now he finds the right, the right team in Liverpool, and he's flying. He's flying. And that's cool. But it's not as easy as, as you think. But I, I would really, uh, you know, I'm, it's, this is a really challenging time for the fans of, well, supporters, I should say, of Manchester United. And I'm going to say this as well. I've noticed it. I'm sure others have as well. Just one of those things. It's kind of a sad time in Ronaldo's career to actually see visually that he has lost a step, that he has not able to be explosive. No one's fallen for his stepovers anymore because he can't get left or right quicker, as quick as he used to. He's not going to outrun anybody. He's passing the ball, you know, when he usually would have taken somebody and shot. And even when he does make a good play, keepers are making saves. That's a rough watch. We'll see how he does today. Burnley is the, uh, the opponent. And man, I just, I hope for, for Ryanick's sake that they score at least two. Because if they spin out of this and they have another kind of performance like they did against Newcastle, who really brought energy in a 1-1, that was a, a fantastic football match. And it, it, look, the energy of the, and the pressing that, that, that you, know, you, you saw out of Newcastle was a team with fight, with bite, with re, that was, it was real. I appreciated that. I appreciated that. It was like the wrong opponent to run into at, at this real crucial time. You'd almost, you almost, know, if, you're, if you're Manchester United, you'd rather get You'd rather get a West Ham. You'd rather get a, uh, a team like Crystal Palace who's going to attempt to play football and, and play it in a way that uh, 
that's that's conducive to, to your plan working. But you know, I, I think Newcastle was disruptive. They brought energy and they made it very difficult. It'll be more of the same with Burnley today. And I can't wait. I'm going to watch it with my son. I'm going to watch. Uh, he's a big Manchester United fan. Ooh, right. I get it. But look at the way things are now panning out. You know, after um, after you see Man City just absolutely have a you know a barn burner, six three over Leicester. Leicester recovers with a one zero victory over Liverpool, which which surprised some. And then Chelsea gives up a late goal to Brighton, but that that was coming. If you watch the game, that, that was coming. And then, then some people have also picked up on the fact that uh, Christian Pulisic made the lineup, but he was a wing back. He was no longer a winger. A lot has been asked. Uh, a lot more will be asked from him if he plays that position. And if he plays it two more times, I'm predicting an injury. His body's not ready for it. It's not. And that's one thing that, that I think Christian is so much better when, when he's afforded a little bit more rest time on the field. There's no rest when you play that spot. And unfortunately, he'll probably get hurt. Man City takes care of business and Brentford. Brentford's not an easy opponent, but that's the difference right now between Manchester United and Manchester City is that Manchester City just figures it out. And the performances were good all the way across the board. West Ham recovers against uh, Watford the other day. It was a tricky one for um, Southampton and Tottenham, but Tottenham will be back after it. His, look, Conte has yet to lose. Typical stuff. I mean, you, you can always look at the positives, but uh, Antonio Conte knows how to... Knows how to uh, set up his team. Anyway, today's going to be good. Today, uh, Manchester, oh God, I mean, there's lots to talk about next week if this thing goes haywire on us, but I do think that uh, the Ralph Reinick experiment moving into the uh, transfer window, for those of you who are, are unaware, the transfer window starts on January 1st and will run the entire month until January 31st. Uh, La Liga and Syria, uh, they'll, they'll come a little later. I think they're two days later. It might be January 3rd. You check that. If, I might be wrong. But that is the. this is going to be an unbelievable window. A lot going on, even stateside. You got what's going on with Pepe and now with Castellanos for the kid from uh, NYCFC. Is, they're, they're saying that he's worth $15 million. <laughs> I don't. I don't see it. I don't see that. I, I actually commented to a couple of people. I didn't think the kid... Uh, uh, looked that terrific to me. He scored 19 goals during the season, but that's, you know, if you can get money out of him, take it, take it. And I don't like the fact that this whole thing with Pepe went sideways. Uh, they seemingly changed their mind because 15 was too much and the league gets involved. Yeah, I've, I've said this before. Uh, I say, I, I was sending messages to dear FC Dallas when it came to Pepe, please don't get too, too greedy here. Just take, take what's offered. Let the kid get his opportunity and it looks like the deal has gone sideways for that very reason. Because the longer, the longer you, you haggle, the more things they find wrong with your player agents. Look at what happened with Grealish. I mean, for Christ's sake, everybody thought, oh, you, know, you got to sign this guy. 100 million. I mean, you get, I want to steal. I don't even know what his stats are. Nothing worth talking about. All right, so let, let me get into this. Uh, since we are talking about the, uh, the transfer market, I have my own theories about uh, Major League Soccer. You know, if you want to win in Major League Soccer, the formula is very simple. And it doesn't matter really where the player comes from. He just has to fit that profile. Because if, if you really go through all the champions in Major League Soccer, you will be very, it would be very hard for you to find a team that won it without a number 10. And that's, you know, if you go back to Almiron or Ladero, um, Giovinco, Lucas in, in Columbus was another great example. I call him Lucas, everybody. I don't know how many nicknames he has, Zella. But if you go through, all the champions, all the way back to the Cienfuegos, the sort of the Echeveres, Peter Novaks, Gomez. You can go all day. Preki. 
You have to have a number 10 if you're going to win in this league. And you have to have a, a goal scorer in form. The only thing that happened with Toronto when they won it is Josie out the door just kind of had a couple of bad, bad games at the wrong time. But this new rumor, Lorenzo Insigne, is pretty phenomenal. $60 million for five years. And then the immediate report of Giovenko saying, hey, be careful there. They're not going to pay you all that because he's lived it. I'm sure he got a lot of money. But I mean, look, folks, let's go back to when Beckham came to the league and it was announced. I was in that studio. I was the guy that had to announce it. I was told that I had to tell the world that MLS was signing the best soccer player on the planet. And I said, I can't say that. And they said, you need to say that. So I'm not going to say that. And I ended up saying, MLS is signing the most recognizable player on the planet. And somehow I got away with it. And that was David Beckham. And it was announced he makes $250 million. It was just a big number that was thrown out there. But then, of course, if you go online and you look up MLS salaries, it's part of the deal. It's, it's public knowledge. You can see how much these guys make. And then there's David Beckham making $6.5 million. So it wasn't $250 million. Sometimes the, 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 you know, the marketing of these players or the marketing dollars chime in and then, and then the number goes up. And clearly Beckham was making Pepsi commercials and that's where he got the mainstay of his money. So we'll see what happens with this Lorenzo Insigne because he is, he's five foot four, which proves that that, that works. Get an Italian guy that's five foot five or less and who can dribble. And that's part of the formula. Get a number 10. Get a number 10 who's, who's Argentine or Italian or, or, or Uruguayan, not necessarily Mexican. Carlos Velez is part of that, you know, but it was, it was the, it was LA. So you had to, you had to go that route, but if you're going to win this thing, you got to get a number 10. So that's the logic. I mean, it certainly worked four or five years back for Bill Manning and his crew when, when they were able to get two back-to-back finals in Toronto. I, I covered one with Fox. I was frozen. An unbelievable performance from uh, the Seattle goalkeeper. I think it was Fry. He made some saves that, that really kept that thing alive. And of course, they lose in the shootout. And then the, the following year, they get to go back to the ice patch and get the 2-0 win. They finally got the trophy, which made, made, made all the money make sense. Bring Michael Bradley back. Bring Josie Altidore. Pay these guys five, six million a year. Plus Giovinco. So if you really think about it, this is really the push point for Toronto. Toronto TFC is willing to spend $60 million. If they've done it in the past, they'll do it again. Will they win it all? That's the next question. There are some rumors about some of Insignia's had teammates coming with him because he probably wants Buddy, which is smart. You know, this isn't Noah's Ark, but bring two. If you remember the old days when you could only have three foreigners on the team. Inter Milan had the three Germans. AC Milan had the three uh, Dutchmen. Van Basten, Reichardt, Hulet. Then you had Brehm, Klinsmann, and Luther Matthias, which is probably why those two don't get along anymore, but that meaning Matthias and Klinsmann. But that's the way you used to do things. Bring them in in twos and threes so they at least they, they can acclimate together, which is smart. But this, this really opens up a, a big question. This would be the highest paid player, clearly, in the history of the league. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. And I don't know if it's about shirts. I don't know how much they'll get uh, back in their shirts, but this is the direction that they want to go. Bob Bradley is clearly uh, right in the middle of this. I'm sure he's given this the thumbs up. And it's, it makes sense. It makes sense because, you know, Bob has, has always understood the formula. Go back in Bob's career. And, and, go, and just, let's, just, let's just go through the formula for us. Everybody understands how easy this is in Major League Soccer. Got to have a good goalkeeper. You got to have a leader in the back. You got to have somebody who can lead from the back. And then you have to have a number 10. You got to have somebody to clean up his mess. And then you have to have a, a forward who's in, in, in form. It's a spine. It's right down the middle. 
right? If, if you, you take Chicago, for example, with what they were able to do, they, they, they said no to, to Jorge Campos. It was a, it was a big, you know, drawing a, drawing a line in the sand and saying, I don't want Campos. I'm going to go with Zach Thornton. Big move. Lubis Kubik was the, was the leader as a center back. Chris Armas cleaned up the mess for Peter Novak. And you had uh, Ante Razov up top and the introduction of someone like Demarcus Beasley. Pretty goddamn did. good team. It's no different than what Bob tried to do when he first arrived in LAFC and or what he did at New York and or what he did at, at Chivas. Bring it in. Uh, he, he thought Ramon Ramirez could play, but he, he was done. He, then he, you know, he, he brought in Johnny O'Brien. He thought he could play, but he had Claudio Suarez. And guess what? He had Razov. <laughs> By the way, if you, if you follow Bob's career, Razov played in New York. Razov played at Chivas USA. Razov played in Chicago. <laughs> Where is he now? Right next to Bob. He's his assistant coach. Those guys stuck together. But there is a formula, okay? And it, it, let's, 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 let's take Seattle, you know, when they won it. Let's take Toronto when, when they were able to win it. Go way back in the old days with what was going on with, with Bruce Arena. Bruce Arena actually accomplished his goal. He had. He had the formula. He just lost the game in a penalty kick shootout. He had a great goalkeeper. Had leadership in the back. Had a great playmaker and a goal scorer. Was it all the way there? He's already making moves. He's brought in Sebastian Leggett because he thinks maybe he can he could make push it to the next next level. I mean, Leggett gets a lot of crap from everybody. Nobody thinks he's good enough, but Bruce knows what he's doing. And he knows the formula. And the formula is not hard. It's, once you figure it out, you got it. If you watch the teams that always fall short, it's because they did not cover one of those four pieces. Of course, money comes in, but you got to go get guys that are, you know, like Jokaev, for, for example, was a, was a great example in New York. He connected with Bob. They fell short. That's okay, because they really didn't have a forward. No offense to guys like John Wollenek, but they, they, didn't have, they didn't have that final piece. They tried on the goalkeeping side, but that's how it works, guys. Now, going back to this whole insignia thing, I think it works. I think it works. Now, it looks like Josie's gone. Josie might be on his way to Turkey. Uh, and those rumors haven't yet to be confirmed, or maybe they have. I'm not paying attention to Josie Altador. I think Josie Altador has a, an attitude problem. I think he's been paid way too much money. Uh, he's taking shots at people like Alexi and, and Taylor Twelman, call them white guys with connects on Twitter. I, I don't know where the hell that came from. But he does have a really pretty girlfriend who's a famous tennis player. And the only time I ever see him is when he's uh, up in the stands watching her play tennis these days. But the other thing he can do is get on his phone and look at his bank account and laugh. Because he was clearly way, way overpaid. And I think Turkey is a good move for him because he clearly couldn't do it in the EPL. He, was, he had his best years, I think, in, in the Dutch leagues. That's when he was able to, to score more goals. He had his, uh, his, he's got his trophy here. So you, you can't take that away from him. He certainly had his falling out with the national team and he's never going back there. No one needs him. The kids have kind of taken over. But we'll see how Josie, I, I wish him well. I, you know, I, I remember when he first came into the league, I sat with him and I was really impressed with his demeanor, uh, his professionalism, but, you know, money changes people. And that certainly is the case with uh, Josie out the door. Or out the door, if you want to go that far. Look, um, 
I don't know how long I've been talking, but I'm like eight minutes away from the kickoff of the game that I really need to see with my son. Uh, he is in the other room. Uh, he's a player himself. He's wearing a Pogba jersey. It's funny. My, my son showed up to the U.S. national team game the other day wearing an Alfonso Davies jersey, which I thought was hilarious. I didn't realize until we got to the game. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And then, of course, Grandma had it handled. She's like, I brought him a U.S. jersey so we can switch. But my kids, my kids' heroes are, are all over the place. He loves Kevin De Bruyne. He tries to only wear that shirt in the house because he's still pretending to be a Manchester United fan. But he likes the flamboyant guys like Pogba. Right? He, he, it's, it's, it's just part of what kids are all about. I mean, if you really want to, these kids know more about these players than we do because they play FIFA. I thought I saw something on uh, my buddy, tactical manager on uh, on uh, Twitter. He he posted the 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 card for for Pepe, and he had like a sixty two speed. <laughs> I mean, these players they actually get pissed off when they read their card, and they 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 realize that FIFA thinks they're that slow, or they're not that good, or they can't shoot, and they've been raided. It's pretty funny stuff. Either way, uh, Manchester United, in a couple of minutes here, we'll, we'll be taking on Burnley. I have not yet looked at the starting lineup. Um, I guess I could, but I want to be surprised. And I think there might be some surprises uh, in this deal. Because when they came out of the gates, they, it, was, it was certainly about putting Matic on, on the, uh, putting him on the shelf to make sure everybody could see him. Mata got a game, which was great. I think that was against young boys. Uh, but this, as this moves forward with Manchester United, especially if today goes wrong, uh, we're going to see a, a youth movement so Gary Neville will get his wish. It'll be all about the kids. Uh, I don't think I don't think guys like McGuire stick around. I know Ronaldo's probably looking for the exit, and he's he's a part time player anyway. Now he's 20, 30 minutes. They they ran him into the ground early, and I think he's feeling the effects of those opening games. All that enthusiasm, all that it was great. It really was great to see him back on the field at Old Trafford, and 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 I think the. The adrenaline has worn off, for sure. But this will be more about, you know, you know Marichal's going to go. He's, he's gone. Rashford might even want want to look somewhere else. Because Ryanick is going to, if, if you've given the reins, if you really said, okay, Ralph, you're in charge. We made the joke about Wreck-It Ralph. Uh, he is breaking down some walls right now. And he is going to thin the herd quickly. Now, is this a business move? Yes, it is a business move. And if it works, like I've said before in previous podcasts, they get to sit there and say, we're better businessmen than Man City. Or Man City say, look, we bought another one. Take that. This city is blue. Either way, it makes great drama. Both sides have something to scream about. Uh, I just can't wait till they play again. Uh, but that's it for me. I'm going to go watch the game with my son. I hope that uh, you can have... A wonderful week. Thank you for finding us, however you find your podcast, whether it be on Spotify or Apple or whatever. I uh, appreciate you coming along for the ride. Uh, I'm out the door right now because I've got a date with my son, and which means we're going to go have lunch at Charlie's here at the Wynn, watch the game. And it's right next to the sports book, which is great because we got like 50 TVs. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to that. So uh, pardon me for, for exiting early, but I got to go. Have a wonderful day. And as I always say, continue to be good people out there. Uh, in, uh, 
love each other and respect each other. If you can accept each other and respect each other, then get those two things right there. You're, on, you're off to a good start. Either way, it makes for a better life. We'll hear you next time.